Here we are, kids. Our third and final, for the moment, episode about Hannibal. This one is about episode three of season one, which is called Potage. And uh, it follows up on the last two episodes we've had, which were about the first two episodes of Hannibal. This one doesn't have an introduction because it's about the third episode, but it does have our recommendations for stuff if you like Hannibal and uh, all the information on where to find Dave and all of his stuff. Uh, for those of you who have uh, just discovered Dave Dwanch for the first time, a person who I have known a long time and deeply love, just like I love all of you. So enjoy the episode, and we'll see you again soon. Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> and uh episode three it's called potage um oh no it's called it's called uh making a murderer the abigail hobbs story that's what oh, okay I, that's that's my episode yes <laughs> so called, abigail wouldn't hobbs you scarf. love this silk scarf <laughs> if you're going it's to be my murder daughter you'll need a silk scarf that was pretty um, good, Jeremy. I mean, I, I, I can't, I, I won't lie. It moved a little when you started with that accent. That time it was good. Like yeah. Do it slower. Let's go. It made him feel powerful. Really, it's just a great line. To yeah. On. Like, so um, Abigail has a dream at the, at our, at our uh, opening stinger for a uh, uh, cold open for both the just making that up but um i believe it's pronounced uh, pot age <laughs> potage um it truly is the pot age look it one is. day i will grow up I will, the pot ma- age. I will master the shadow cone and i will become the potage <laughs> that's a naruto joke i'm golf clapping for you thank you um so uh abigail dreams or remembers herself hunting with her dad um and they have a lot of conversations about deer and how to honor the deer and then the deer becomes a girl and abigail wakes up with that shit in her throat i loved garrett jacobs hobbs like whole speech on why like they need to eat everything because it just seemed like hey here's my twitter thread on why cannibalism is good actually part one of 14 (laughs) (laughs) um so uh right after abigail wakes up um alana shows up uh oh no first wait alana hangs it out with will while he's in his underwear we got a real good shot of his package um oh i don't have any other notes for that part (laughs) he's out playing with the dogs and Alana's like "Uh, i just came to tell you that jack wants me to tell you that that your your murder daughter is is awake but Let's talk about it before you do anything about it. By the way, like, it's what? by the way, it is potage and it's a thick soup. Yeah. I was like, what if I intentionally tell you that I'm stalling just from your murder daughter? <laughs> Apparently says, telling telling him what you're doing works. Like works throughout the, the whole thing. 100 yeah. percent of the time. He doesn't like psychoanalyzing. Just be straight. Also, also not telling him what you're doing works most of the time. Uh, Will gets manipulated a lot in season one. So don't 
don't lie basically i think we can agree with that yeah um the best way to manipulate will is to tell him you're manipulating him or don't either <laughs> <stop>. <laughs> um it's really funny because i was watching when i was watching the show with miranda and, and you know younger folks and there are you know people who have played things like oh i don't know vampire the masquerade and they're like well the people on the show really talk like we talk in vampire <laughs> and i was like very good <laughs> figured it out like you think jack crawford has ever asked hannibal about football like you think he's ever asked him about like do you think jack crawford has ever invited hannibal to go to a ravens game i think that jack crawford yes. would be, yeah I think he he may have, and then Hannibal just pretended he didn't hear him. But and then but, yet, but yet Jack showed up on his doorstep with like a, a foam hand. And yeah. Then shut the fucking door. He was like, no, no, no. Hannibal's no, like, no, no, let's go inside, and I will I will give you all of the sausages. Spoiler: I feel like the plot twist is that Hannibal's actually like a huge Ravens fan. Like Jack goes and is just like Hannibal just got a big sweatshirt and a foam finger and a big ba- like a baseball cap, and he's just munching <laughs> on a hot dog and beer. And it's just like ah, uh... this this hot dog tastes like humans. <laughs> <laughs> like I was really thinking about that watching that. Like God, do you think he ever just goes to like? mcdonald's and just fucking tears into a big mac every now and then there's a fantastic there's a couple of pretty fantastic comics um there's there's one out there where hannibal is like talking to will uh over a table and he's wearing like a paper crown and he's like tell me will does the monarchy reflect what the what the people really want was is the do the, do the people um uh, are the people slaves of the monarchy or whatever and they're at like a burger king <laughs> i just want to get like him doing like this whole culinary lecture and for them to literally be like sir this is a wendy's <laughs> <laughs> i fully um, imagine that when jack crawford does invite hannibal to a ravens game hannibal definitely says the phrase american football at some point in that conversation yeah which like He's like, hey, you want to come with me to a Ravens game? Oh, is that an American football team? Yeah, here's what happens. Is Hannibal insists on tailgating, yeah. and then he makes the tailgating so fancy that they never make it into the stadium. Fuck yeah, though. That's the, be that's down the for best, that. kind of, best kind of tailgate right there, where you yeah. don't go into the, into the stadium. For- I'm sure he and Will are always tailgating. Oh, I see what you did there. Mink. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> no, Will, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, um, Jack wants Will to talk to Abigail, and Alana wants to talk to Abigail first uh, because she wants to make sure that Abigail is in in proper mental state to be talked to. And Abigail is um, has some very strange questions and answers. She definitely knows that her dad has been killing girls, and uh, that they all look like her. And uh, she also wants. Like her reaction to being told that her parents are dead is that she wants to sell the house, um, yeah. and a lot of a lot of the, seemingly her reaction is like, oh fuck, I don't know. Um, yeah, like, she sort of see. ducks away. She's like, oh, oh, I was like, hey, uh, see that. After all that, Alana comes away being like, hey, uh, I think she might be a murder daughter. Um, and then and it was like, no, I think she's fine. <laughs> it's like. She seems she seems fine to me, and uh, I think this it's is actually so... the point where Jack is like, mm, "I'm gonna go with the one that better suits me." 
Hannibal being Hannibal's hilariously transparent, awful advice is so funny to me on the rewatch. Like yeah, just well, how blatantly he's just telling people the worst things possible. Well, it's the, his, this whole conversation is like Alana being like, um, she could be a, a murder daughter, but she could also not be a murder daughter. And Hannibal's like, um, I don't think she's a murder daughter. And then, um, so the Jack is like, okay, so let's talk about Will. Do you think Will should still do shit? And Alana's like, no. And Hannibal, do you do you think? Uh, Hannibal's like, Will I should- think Will should do me. Yeah. yeah, Hannibal's like, ask again. Later. I think Will is the sanest, <laughs> most mentally healthy person I've ever met in my entire life. Sweet package, that Will. Sweet, oh, yeah. <laughs> Sweet package. Is, that head is doing fine. <laughs> Man, I have examined his can head. Can we talk about Will's class in this episode? Yeah, he, that's, that's actually the one of the next things. Uh, or like, oh, enough of the serial killer I, like, I killed. Can we please talk about what is definitely not my new murder boyfriend crush while yeah. he's watching me? Basically, Will's doing this class and he's like, so this killer will never figure out what he's doing. He's impossible to catch. He's got, he feels, feels emotions and he's really clever and very handsome and tall and his cheekbones are on point and he's probably like a really good cook. He and smells he's- like leather mixed with lilac. Yeah. <laughs> And like, so, um, whoever he is, I hope he likes dogs. What? Yeah. And Hannibal walks in and watches this and he has like the, the most four man's Mickelson, most shit eating grin on his face. Yeah. Like it's a slight, you know, slight crescent, but he's just like, that's me. Yeah. On anyone else, this would qualify as a light smirk on Mads Mickelson. It's full on shit eating. Yeah. yeah um and yeah. it's, it's basically of- like will spends the whole thing like talking about what a great killer hannibal is not knowing he's talking about hannibal and hannibal's reaction is shut up baby i know it yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. hannibal has a big like oh you go on seriously go on no, no go going. on yeah. no go- yes but actually yes um so the next we have freddie and she's freddie lounge is now um after telling a serial killer to kill abigail while she's in a coma now she's like abigail you need to tell me your story we're gonna go and make sure that everybody knows your and abigail have you uh, seen hamilton yes also will graham he's dumb and crazy and Mm. he's right behind me shit (laughs) and then she tries to play it off like 10 minutes later like she didn't say any of it. Yeah, I love that this this whole bit where he says, I'm Special Agent Graham, and she says, special as in not a real agent. And it's like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Freddie, calm down. Yeah, Freddie's like, sorry, but... And then she turns to Abigail and she's like, he sucks. <laughs> and then immediately, like, they're outside and he's like, you call me crazy. She's like, mm, that doesn't ring any bells. I don't think that was me. And then he straight up accidentally threatens her. Yeah, he's like, yes. oh, I, if I were you, I wouldn't start shit with somebody who thinks about how to kill people all day. And, and then, then immediately... The, <laughs> the, the natural consequence of threatening a reporter happens. Yeah, and Jack is like very disappointed, Dad, and he's like... 
Jack's like, you said what, son? I'm not mad. Just <laughs> he's always and- mad. He's never not mad. He's maybe also be disappointed, but he's still also man, mad. But... Yeah, I'm I'm less I'm less than my usual being angry. And, and then Jack turns to to Hannibal and he's like, "You were supposed to be looking after him. Why did you tell him to say this?" And Hannibal, you're his you're his fucking you're his paddle. Come on. Yeah. Like, oh my god. Hannibal's like, I believe Will can speak for himself. And then fucking the Porky Pig like gets the circles in and he just like shrugs like nah 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 nah. <laughs> See Hannibal's Will's paddle and he has to just like he gets distracted by the calling the shot anyway. Yeah. Hannibal is like, oh, well, I, I think Will is grown up and sexy enough to speak for himself. I mean, grown up enough to speak for himself. <laughs> and Will is just like, ooh, ooh I, I'm sorry, Jack. I was just angry. I was trying to figure out what, like, I was trying to see if there was a moment early on, like the first episode where Hannibal has like this new reaction to Will, like where he has one feeling that he's like, oh, I want to turn him into murder husband, but no, it doesn't seem to be like Will rising in Hannibal's esteem. He kind of comes right out episode one being like, I'm going to do stuff to this boy. Yeah. He, well, he's like, he looks at, he, he and Will immediately when they meet, um, trade like some repartee and that's where Hannibal's like, oh shit, my shorts are shrinking. All right. Let's the go. The line they have in the breakfast, or Will's like, I don't find you interesting. And Hannibal goes, like, You will. Yeah. Hannibal's like, Challenge accepted. All right. Um, yeah. So Hannibal, Hannibal is just busily humming Taylor Swift's blank space in the background the whole time. And he's going to, he's got a blank <laughs> yeah. space. He's going to write his name in. Um, yeah. And so Freddie, meanwhile, moves on to her uh, rebound provocation because she wasn't able to provoke Abigail quickly enough. She's like, I'm going to go talk to this guy who who thinks that uh, Abigail's father killed his sister, uh, who, but is actually the one that uh, Hannibal killed. Um, so he, uh, she is uh, like, you know, that guy, that girl who's the daughter of that guy who killed your sister just woke up in the hospital. Isn't that cool? And he's like, no. I oh I'm angry. Um, yeah, this guy who's just clearly just beyond traumatized and in more emotional pain than he can handle. Fuck. So this is Nicholas. Talking about uh, Nicholas Boyle. Boyle. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. Boyle. Um, so Nicholas oh, no. Boyle. Is- poor poor Charles lost a cousin. <laughs> and Cassie Boyle. So Cassie yeah, two Boyle- cousins. What a tragedy yeah. for the Boyle family. For real um so cassie boyle is was the one who was racked on the antlers in the field kabuki and her brother is nicholas and nicholas thinks that hobbs while he did kill a lot of people also killed um his sister his sister yeah and and then you know and now there's this talk but he doesn't they don't know about the copycat thing yet apparently i believe that is what you call dramatic irony (laughs) Um, another porky pig scene. <laughs> um, I honestly, I don't know what irony means. I'm like, oh, we know what he doesn't know, and it, he thinks it's one thing, but it's another thing. Is this what irony is? I don't know. Sure. The Alanis Morissette song is so unhelpful. 
<laughs> don't you think? Is it Alanis Morissette? I don't know. Is it ironic? I really do. Think I don't. I ir- don't think they're. I don't think any of these examples are ironic. I think they're all just coincidences. Um. <laughs> yep. Well, that's what that's what Jack thinks. Anyway. Um. So now Hannibal has the bright idea. He's like, "Tell me, Will, why don't we take Abigail original house and we could find out." And then they're like, but Alana has to come too. And he's like, fine. Alana, Alana, has, to, Alana has to third wheel this state. Alana's like yeah. at least six feet apart, you two. Um, yeah, she's, she's the chaperone. <laughs> she's, she's the Jesus between them. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so Abigail's home has been vandalized and people write cannibals all over it. And uh, she's going around very dead panelly going, is this where my mom died? That's fucked up. Uh, wow. Yeah, she begins actively fucking with Hannibal during this bit as well. Um, where I think that historically goes super well for characters doing the fucking with. Yeah, yeah. well, she, she's like trying to fuck with Hannibal and Hannibal's like, bitch, you thought. Except you're my daughter now, so but we just gotta put some... I feel like Hannibal's reaction is much more like, alright, let's do this. Like, <laughs> You gonna fuck with me? All right, let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, put him up. Um, Hannibal just starts stretching right there in the hallway. He's yeah, like, he's all right, all right, get it. Cracks mm. his neck. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and then um, <laughs> Will says that he's that he feels like he's talking to Derek Jacob Hobbs's shadow suspended on dust, and and Abigail's like, okay, uh, crawling in my skin. <laughs> and, and then they have their little role-playing game where they're like, okay, let's reenact this. You know, Alana, you're my mom. Will, you're my dad. And Hannibal, you're the guy on the phone. And Hannibal's just like, oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> Hannibal just um, playing the final countdown at that point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and as this, this, this situation comes to a head, uh, Abigail's friend Marissa shows up. Marissa, I bet she'll have a long life and do lots of cool stuff in this series. Yeah. Seemed like seemed like a stand-up friend, really. Yeah. yeah. She's like, everybody says you're a fucking cannibal. I think you're cool. Um, let's throw rocks at this guy. Um and she nails him, like she's got an arm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she she misses the first time, but then the second time she's like, fuck you. Um he draws and he's, blood and everything. I mean, her yeah. form is solid, like I have stuff. questions about this rock hitting this guy and immediately uh, getting a track of blood across the rock but it's plot convenient so it scraped him real bad yeah i don't he has a skin condition i don't think rocks work quite the same way that knives do where you like hit somebody and then it just stays there to get some blood on it it just hits and falls off like i don't i don't know how this would actually work <laughs> movie magic tv yeah. magic Hannibal yes. magic but Ang- angry brother is there to yell at them and marissa beans him with a rock and uh and hannibal and will come wandering slowly up and he's like oh shit i should leave um and hannibal's like cool a rock with some blood on it let me cover that detail up um so that i can later take it home and rub it in marissa's dead mouth um <laughs> Because Hannibal uh, needs to prove apparently that Abigail is not a killer, so he's like, "Oh, it looks like we're gonna find her body." Oh no! They like okay, so they go to the murder cabin and they find Marissa's body there. Okay, at the murder cabin though, 
before like we get to the before we get find Marissa, Abigail is talking about how her dad used the cab. He says like he made everything here: pelts, butter. Uh you don't need to kill things to make butter. That's I, not how butter works. She was trying to butter them up. Butter, a notoriously zero death involved like uh, activity. That actually is really upsetting. Trying to think about like how did they get the milk? Yeah, what was he doing? What I I what was he calling butter? Because I don't think it was butter. Yes, Jeremy. They just they just rendered some fat and just baked it into the the butter, man. Just made yeah. it extra, extra calories there. I'm Abigail, sure I'm cooks with lots of butter. I'm sure he does too. Oh yeah, I mean the French cuisine influence on his. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in in the meantime, between. I, I guess there's a day in between these scenes, but Hannibal has apparently gone to Marissa's, kidnapped her, murdered her, hung her on this thing, rubbed the rock that he pulled off of uh, the ground on her teeth so that there is an indication that, you know, this, this other guy killed her. There's DNA from him there. Um, I feel like much like Jason Voorhees, almost every killer in this series can teleport. Like they just go from place <laughs> I, to place, and you're like, "How? How did you? You can't outrun them. They're I gonna feel get like you." He needs like time slowing powers. Like that's the only thing. Like he can make a bubble where like three hours pass inside and like one hour passes outside. Oh, so that's why there's all those slow motion shots in the show. That's like literal. Hannibal has access to the microverse. You know, yeah. things move slower there. He has the time turner. <laughs> that's the only way he can like. You know, he cooks and he plays the instruments and he paints and he's doing it all at the same time with the time homework time traveler. In uh, in uh, Mind Palace, I have like infinite Hannibals. Like there are all the versions of Hannibal in all fiction that exist in that multiverse. So, oh, so they're all like helping each other? Potentially that's what's happening in this show. I'd like oh, to there you if you wanted to do a montage at one point that would have been just a regular day in the life of Hannibal. And they're like, shit, there's no way it makes any sense for this to fit into a 24 hour time period. Fuck it, we're scrapping the whole sequence. <laughs> you must get be- up very early in the morning. Now I'm making a lot of Eddie Izzard jokes here, which is funny. <laughs> when, okay, so Eddie Izzard mm-hmm. eventually is in this show. When I was first uh, introduced to this show, it was a friend of mine who was like, you gotta watch this show. And I was like, I've been like, about it and they're like okay first of all jillian anderson's in it and i was like what and they're like and then eddie izzard's in it and i'm like what she's great eddie izzard oh my god i love her performance in this show yeah and then then they're and they're like and trent reznor's in it and i'm like what and they're like no just kidding I did Jillian catch your Eddie Izzard reference earlier that uh, I, he was dead at the I'm time. I'm sad yeah. that Jillian Anderson isn't in these first three episodes and we can't talk about just how weird and delightful her character is. Yeah, her totally made up Pretty character. Good. Yeah, but she's like, your majesty, uh, what are your so, workout Jillian, clothes for? Minor spoilers, Jillian Anderson plays Margaret Hannibal, Thatcher. Hannibal psychologist. Yeah, okay. I'll talk about that later when I talk about the, the recommendations. But um, anyway, so... Um, so after after Abigail gets some of her uh, friend's blood dripped on her face, um, Hannibal and Will sit there and flirt over her dead body for a while. Um, and uh, Jack shows up and is like, 
tell me y'all didn't do this. <laughs> like Jack keeps showing up places and being like, how the fuck did this happen? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Jack's like, you know what? Uh, everybody, everybody but Will, go take, uh, go take this girl home. Will, I don't know, just keep staring yeah. at his dead body. So another Jack Crawford bad at his job. Why are you having Hannibal escort her? Like, do you have no actual FBI agents who can't do this? He just loves Hannibal so much. He's just so snowed by Hannibal because he's like, oh, he's so cool. Hannibal does feel like the cool friend Jack never had right yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah oh, for yeah. sure i mean jack but that's the thing it's very relatable because if i was hanging out in that house and being fed that food and hannibal was like haha come on over and i'd be like why well, i feel so special i get to eat the food oh my god is his how does he make these herbs grow in this dark dark room i don't know but maybe if i hang <laughs> out with him more i will find out um yeah so yes. uh hannibal and alana are confronted uh, at abigail's house by marissa's mom and then by freddie uh, who is creeping around the house. They're busy talking to Freddy while uh, our, our girl Abigail goes inside and starts cutting open pillows to discover that uh, they're all yeah. full of human hair. Um, something that you think would have come up at some point. I'm just saying. She but, never opened up the yeah. pillows before. Yeah, I mean, I generally don't open up my pillows. But like, I like you move imagine. around on pillows enough and you rough them up, like down comes out at the point that those like, are throw those are throw pillows those aren't meant to actually be used those are meant yeah. to sit on it but i do know now pillow. that jeremy is an aggressive sleeper yeah like, this is what i'm gathering from this, <laughs> for sure just beating the I, shit out of those pillows i have two pulling them apart i like to imagine that anytime like uh hannibal is having a dinner party or friends over he like he talks about like the seasoning and the herbs. They make some reference to a secret ingredient. And every time he does internal, he's just giving himself a high five and being like, oh, Hannibal, you magnificent son of a bitch. You tricked him again. And meanwhile, Jack is like, that's just Mrs. Dash. That's what he's using. He's using Mrs. Dash. Mrs. Dash. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I just love the idea of Emma Hamill making a beep 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 sound. <laughs> yeah, just like somewhere on his body he has a phone with the fucking bavoozle noise. And he's like... <laughs> I mean, he, he does have that sound ready for the football games. That's the yeah. thing. Tell me, Will. Yeah, it's like that that sketch yeah. with Obama and Luther the anger translator, but with like you know a celebration translator behind him. Yeah, yeah, and Hannibal's like. That's very interesting. <laughs> and then there's someone like, I ate your ass. I killed you. I ate you. It was delicious. I'm amazing. <laughs> it's like Freddie Wong and, um, oh, this is a really, okay, don't, this is a really obscure reference. But Freddie Wong is a hype obscure man. Obscure reference for, from you, Emily? It's like Freddie Wong is a hype man for Ashley Birch. Yeah, that's a reference that is completely lost on me, bro. Uh, like Ashley Birch, <laughs> the voice actor? Yeah. <laughs> She had a, sh she and her brother Anthony Birch had a variety show called Hey Ash, What You Playing? And it was a joke on video games. And Freddie Wong showed up and he did this episode about Donkey Kong. Look it up. It's really funny. <laughs> I don't mind if this doesn't become a digressively horrified. I'm just saying. Alrighty then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. Um, so Angry Brother sneaks in and is like, Hey, I just aggressively wanted to tell you that I didn't kill your friend, and you should know. Um, 
And she's like, get away from me. And she's like, no, I really need to tell you that I didn't kill your friend. I'm going to slam you against the wall so you'll find out. Uh, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt you. you Slam, slam, slam. Notoriously good way of getting people to trust that you have their safety in mind. Just keep slamming them into walls. Yeah, like dude and it follows being like, I'm not going to hurt you, but I have you tied up in this wheelchair. Like, cool. I totally believe you. Not. Uh, yeah, to, to which um, Abigail's reaction is, oh no, I accidentally carved an entire message on your stomach. Um, I'm, I'm re- it says I, really big. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, was it a full on, no, because that was one thing. Was it really like an absolutely like she truly gutted him or was it really self-defense and then it was Hannibal playing on her panic state? I mean, like, what? No one will ever believe it was self-defense. And it definitely looked she, like she stabbed him and then continued to go up quite a distance there. Oh yeah, that, yeah. that'd do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that would do it. That would do it. And then Alana's like, "Oh no, what's going on down there?" And Hannibal's like, "Oh, that's no good." <laughs> I, I've watched that scene like a dozen times, and I can't help but giggle. And I'm sorry that I do. <laughs> Me too. Me but too. it was really like it was literally the epitome of everything that that. Alana Bloom is about. You're like, what does that knock her out? She's like not doing anything in this scene. It's like they just, for some reason, had to get rid of her. It's a good oh, she thing be a that witness. it worked out that Hannibal was able to just instantly knock her out because you imagine she just hits her over the back then. She's like, Hannibal, the fuck? The <laughs> fuck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How well, did you know that was going to work? Hannibal is all about some precision here because he just like, she is like, what's going on? He grabs her by the side of the head and smacks it against the side of this fireplace. Like, you're expecting <laughs> like, like the Vul- out. You're expecting like the Vulcan nerve pin. She just smashes her head against the wall. Yeah, and he's like, she'll be fine. Anyway, you're <laughs> covered in blood. And like Alana, it, you no. might as well have like a doink sound effect. <laughs> uh, not, not the last time uh, Hannibal will give Alana head trauma during this show's run. Yeah, a lot of precision it's almost as if hannibal has knocked somebody unconscious before yeah um Um, so he he goes and he he finds out what's happened and abigail's like uh uh and hannibal's like you killed the shit out of him some people will say self-defense but you killed the shit out of him (laughs) that's bad like killing is bad abigail he was alive and then you made him dead yeah. Hannibal pulls like, a full on Fox News on her, which is <laughs> right. Which is, oh, you clearly killed him in self defense. Now, some people would look at this wound, though, and say that it looks like you stabbed him and then dragged the knife all the way up and definitely butchered him. But I wouldn't say that. <laughs> some people would, though. Some people would. And you know what? You should feel very bad. So, um, well, do you want my many- help? Because you're fucked. Many Americans, I'm hearing, say you totally murdered him. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, yeah. And he like he basically is like, so you're gonna be, you're so fucked right now. You're so fucked right now. Now I'll give you a choice. I can help you not be fucked, or you can be totally fucked right now. And she's like, wow. It's like I have a free will of my own, and I know I I have all the choice in the world to go ahead and be, you know, an accessory to your evil plan. <laughs> I tell you what, this body ain't hiding itself. Yeah, <laughs> and then Hannibal's like, all right, I got this. And here's, also- Here's a question for you though. Where did, like, there had to have been a fuck ton of blood, right? How do you get rid of the blood? Like, 
that was the one thing that I was like, I, I could, I could, uh, yes, Hannibal can teleport. He teleported the body away. But what about the blood? There was, there was some, said something about that, but it was a lot of blood. It had to have been. I mean, dude got gutted. So like, yeah, I just imagine swarming with FBI well, agents. They had, they, they thought like, didn't they play it up that like she had stabbed him, but he had run away. Um, yeah so, like, they could test his blood against the you know dna on yes. the girl and that was how they knew it was him yeah so she did still like stab him but they don't have any evidence and but they have enough evidence to indict him for the murder of marissa yeah mm-hmm. so all right all right i'm gonna i'm gonna shrug a little bit but yeah that was yeah, no i mean it's right definitely pouch of blood <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i found some evidence hold on there we go <laughs> Abigail, make sure you get enough blood that it's no question. Um, so yeah, they've they match the DNA, and Jack is like, "Well, I guess she didn't kill this guy, or I mean, this guy." Sigh. <laughs> and and you know, and Hannibal's like, "Well, what if it, the brother was the ho- copycat the whole time?" And Will's like, "I like that because it aligns with my agenda." And Jack is like, "Fair play, fair play." Um, I like closing cases. Yeah, he's gonna get his bonus. He's gonna get that bonus at the end of the year. That's for sure. I like moving things out of the red. It's it's just like that bore. Every time I every time I see Jack in one of these scenes, I'm just reminded of that big board on the wire of like solved and unsolved murders. He's just like, I'm all of these ones over here to this column. It's all been solved. We know who killed them, and he's dead. Um. Mystery solve. Um. So next we have Hannibal is in his office and Abigail's in there. And without even fucking looking up, he's like, hi, Abigail. And she's like, Hannibal sits at his desk to write like this. Always Don't you know that's the fanciest, most tasteful writing? He's trying not to get his hand all over the thing. Um, And when, yeah, when Jeremy says like this, he means sideways. He with sits like, at a 90 degree angle at his desk with one leg stretched way out. And yeah, just like, well, that's because the street is so big. Look, you expect a man that queer to sit correctly? <laughs> <laughs> um, so apparently the one thing that Hannibal is not good at is securing his fucking office because Abigail's in there. She enters through the mezzanine, which gives People. me some questions about how you get to the mezzanine and how exactly Hannibal's so office many. is situated in the world. As far as I can tell, there's a minimum of three entrances and exits to this one office. There might be. I mean, I think that that's how we know that she's a murder daughter because she can also teleport. Yeah. She just tele- She had to climb the wall because the wall had a ward on it. But then once she was out of the out of the zone of the hospital, then she could teleport to Hannibal's office, even though she'd never been there before. Um, but so she shows up there and she's like, um, <laughs> sup, uh, you call my dad. You're the you're the dad guy. And Hannibal's like, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, well, oh. And uh, she's like, are you a serial killer like my dad? Because you could teleport? And Hannibal's like, I'm nothing like your dad. So not not counting out the fact that he's a serial killer, but just saying, I may be a serial killer, but I'm not like your dad. That pedestrian ass fucking 
rural serial killer basic oh. ass bitch yeah. your dad basic is basic look at this suit look at the <laughs> fine thread count in my suit I did you, you see all those ancient ass books up there any of these fucking books your dad had seemingly has a, a like a a strict rule against lying to people, but your dad had these things any sort of way he likes. Your dad yeah, had just... a stack of TV guides from 1999 and the novelization to Caddyshack 2. <laughs> <laughs> Those books that I have the Dead Sea Scrolls over there and the original Bible over there. <laughs> um, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, this is, this is Hannibal answering questions sideways, which is his, his big, big thing that he does. And then he um, he and Abigail kind of agree on um, not causing mutual destruction. Um, and then Hannibal's like, all right, I got her. Hook, line, and sinker. Let's go. Um, and that's where our... And that's really, that's really where episode three ends is really Hannibal being like, yes, I am going to manipulate everybody. Yeah. That's where he's like, bitch, you thought. Except he wouldn't say that because he's like, now you're my murder daughter and I'm going to teach yeah. you how to murder for real though. And the, yeah. And that is where we leave off on this particular excursion into the impeccably dressed cannibalistic world of Hannibal. Jenny, <gasps> final thoughts on this. How are you feeling about it? Is this your cup of tea? Seems real dark for you, buddy. When was that supposed to be? Um, I don't know. I don't know. You're, you're just, a, you're such a, a bright, happy, shiny ball of love. Or is that just for me? Is that just for me? That's just for you, Dave. Oh you, man, Dave. all right. He's it. that for you. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, this is a this is a podcast that I host about murders. Horror um, movies? About murdering movies. Um, I, I had never seen any episodes of Hannibal. Obviously this, this show, I think, does trade interestingly on the fact that you owing to pop culture know that Hannibal is a villain and um, a, a villain, a murderer and a cannibal from the beginning um, because it doesn't show you Hannibal doing any of these things, but you know, you, you have to know. Um, and it's, it's really interesting. And I think it's, um, this does check a box for me that a lot of times procedurals don't because like I have the same problem with procedurals and sitcoms, which is like, I don't, I don't like when the stories don't matter. Like when they don't amount to anything, when, you know, however people end at the end of one episode doesn't affect the next episode. Um, you know, and it, it's nice to have some sort of revel or resolution in these episodes, but then to like clearly be building something bigger. Um, it's, I don't know. It, it really works for me. Um, that's how I feel about it. Obviously, all of you guys have positive feelings about it. Uh, how, how overall did we feel? Did you guys feel about this, you know, rewatching it a second time or however many times it is? So, I mean, all in all, Hannibal is so my jam. I love crime. I love the twists. I love all like the super elaborate the murder, the artsy murders and the foods and just how dang homoerotic it gets. Um, so this show is very, very much my jam. Uh, I enjoyed episode, I enjoyed these three episodes, but going back, by, I, I do gotta say, it doesn't feel like the true, like if I feel like if I was supposed to like, if someone asked me like, hey, 
I just want to watch like an episode that will really help me understand what Hannibal is. I'm not sure if I would give them someone from like these first three episodes. Like it definitely feels like the show is still like, it's, it's taking its while, especially with its overarching plot to put the pieces into place. I think that it these first episodes really are strong. You know, I actually, I, I always recommend these episodes, at least the first two to people. Um, because I feel like the first episode really establishes, um, it, it hooks you. It, it establishes the, the whole idea that's going on, but it doesn't get too crazy. Like, I feel like in the later seasons, things get a little bit like really artsy, a little bit really artsy. <laughs> Right. I mean, it, some of it, it strains my credulity a little bit um, in certain cases. Uh, and I forgive it because it's Hannibal and that I've already invested, you know, but um, these these especially the first episode is incredibly strong, especially if you're coming into it loving Silence of the Lambs or, or uh, Manhunter or Red Dragon. Like it's it gives you everything as a, you know, a Thomas Harris fan of the works of Thomas Harris um that you would want as well as you know all of the uh the aesthetic television choices and all of the character development and you know the the very very uh elaborate just the elaborateness of everything um watching Hannibal for me watching it re-watching it I found some new um little tidbits that I had forgotten about and that's one thing that I love when I really really love a show that's usually one aspect of it is that, you know, on, upon the rewatch, you know, I've seen the whole, but I, rem- I realize new things and I'm reminded of new little elements that were part of that, that big pattern that I didn't catch before. Um, and that's really rewarding for me. And, and you guys were talking about how weird it is that the show is on NBC. And like, I cannot imagine watching the show with like commercial breaks, like, that would be so off-putting and and weird that like so much of this show is atmospheric that like i can't imagine like watching this you know watching them dig up these corpses and this you know guy with mushrooms growing all over him suddenly wakes up and then it's a commercial for target like right yeah it's like you got all the super intense murder double entendre scenes from hannibal like dramatic chord and it's like hi i'm flo from progressive right (laughs) it it, i mean but that's another thing is that it's very much like these shows from from the 90s that i grew up with like millennium and the x-files they were a little bit more over the top they weren't as masterful as this show in terms of like the just the the i I feel like x-files like some of the 90s stuff like you know your xena x-files like deep space nine it's like they really emphasized the commercial break. Like you could tell they knew exactly when it was going to be. And like, it's very easy to imagine the commercial break, like the story builds up to it. The swelling is like, and scene. It feels like, I mean, I know this must've had commercial breaks, but watching it, I can't, I can't tell you where they would have been. Yeah. Um, I mean, and it does have a very kind of dreamlike film quality to it throughout. Right. Yeah. And, oh, and I yeah. think that really does lend itself to it not being a traditional TV show where you cut for commercial break. Right. So, yeah, yeah it I just mean, gets more confident with that level of the artistic, you know, high minded dream like visuals. It's something the show only gets more confident in. And I, I just love it every always. 
Yeah, I mean, there, there's like, like we pointed out a few, like, you know, little, little plot, huge fan of dialogue. And I think that the dialogue in this show, other than some of that knowing tips to I'm a cannibal, there's some really smart dialogue in it that really does flesh out and build the characters in the world. So oh, yeah, yeah oh, super fan. Let's say like what? Mads Mikkelsen and Hugh Darcy, like their chemistry off the charts. They are incredible together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. Thinking about dialogue, I'm actually like, I'm impressed with this show how many like, how much dead space there is, how much they're confident enough to like zoom in on people and have, you know, pregnant pauses and important silences and things like that, um, you know, and not have, I, I feel like there's a big difference. And this is one of the big differences between the different portrayals of Hannibal Lecter is like, you can't really imagine Anthony Hopkins like having these long pauses and looking so thoughtful, you know, he's just mm-hmm. filling all that space with taunting and, you know, um, do, adding adding more and more and more. And I think this I show feel like is- that was like villains back in the day, right? From the yeah. 80s and 90s and stuff. Like you couldn't get uh, a villain without it being slightly cartoonish. And yeah. I feel like this sits in a pocket where it may not be like realistic or, or but it, it, and it's, it's, hyper dreamlike so it, it doesn't need any real realism to it but it's also not cartoony right yeah um and i think that's mads doing mads right it's mm-hmm. he's great yeah yeah like that that scene with uh him and freddie in his office is so like menacing but he doesn't say anything that's like really menacing it's just in the delivery and in the deliberateness of the scene and in the silences of it that like it's like I remember watching that and just being like, that was fucking chilling. I do not expect Freddy to show back up in the next scene. <laughs> Which yeah, he does, I'm like, oh, all right. I guess I guess he decided she's more useful alive than dead at this point. Um, yeah, uh, there's some really, really great, I mean, throughout the series, it's just, this is just the beginning because all of his his face acting in the series is so like, evocative without being super expressive like you see just like a narrowing of the eyes and a sort of drop of the brow or a, a raise of the brow and it says everything i don't know how Matt mickelson does it um especially while so much of his face is just taken up by like beautiful cut cheekbone features but he does it yeah i feel like uh it, you said it earlier though like this is his role this is his best role and uh Arguably, everything that came after this, while I love all the movies he's been in, don't get me wrong, I, I just don't think that he had the love that he had for Hannibal in any of the other roles, and it shows. Yeah. So, do we want to talk about progressive politics? Yeah, so um, we've already talked a little bit about the portrayal of mental health in this, uh, as well as mental disability, and how it, it uses autism as a superpower. Um, it's not great. <laughs> Like, yeah, not a great portrayal of, of, of autism or Asperger's. And if, if I'm a psychologist, uh, I'm not sh- maybe I'm just happy, I'm just thrilled that it's mentioned at all. But I can't imagine anyone's looking at this and just going, Yep, that's an accurate picture of uh, academia and psychological fields. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that you know, I it's it's not great, but it's also yeah, Hannibal Lecter, you know. Um, and we do have Alana and we do have Bedelia du Maurier and we do have 
Uh, well, Professor Chilton is not good. But I do, if there is a true damaging message, I feel like maybe this show could be perpetuating is because this puts so much focus on the psychological aspects of Hannibal Lecter and as a psychologist, it does really portray therapy and psychological counseling as a corruptive, manipulative force, which, again, I'm not, it's just something where I think there's that extrapolation of, you know, it's not presenting mental health care in the most positive of lights. Yeah, Hannibal is very much a, like, comic book psychiatrist, because, like, I feel like there's a long history in comic books of all psychiatrists being evil. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's know. like, I know it's supposed to be, oh, he's Hannibal, he's the evil psychi- like psychologist, but at the same time, it's not like we have another counter examples of there being like actually moral psychologists who are making patients' lives better. In not, yeah. We have other psychologists, but we don't see their methods. Right. Yeah, we have uh, Alana being like, Jack, don't break Will. You're breaking him so much. Yeah. Yeah. Alana specifically refuses to practice psychiatry in these first three episodes. Um, yeah. In the, uh, like, if I was thinking of showing this to a friend, I wouldn't show it to a friend that is like doubtful about therapy and that has issues with, with doubting therapy in the system. Cause, you know, there's enough, there's plenty of things wrong with the medical system. Of course, Hannibal Lecter is, is working um, independently um but you know i but i do think it does have something to say about class with him specifically um yeah so i mean i will say before we move on from mental uh mental conditions and and mental illness and stuff like that uh mental health um bev does read she is not explicit as well as but she does read as being on the spectrum there are other characters in the show that show up some you know there's still some not great things I, that I happen i like the sense of so first i said like bev reads i'm like well i mean we don't think we see her reading too many books but i assume she can read oh she reads the hell out of everything yeah. um anyway but yeah so i think that hannibal while a um not a great example of therapy and and um treating mental illness or or uh you know mental conditions of various types um Hannibal's place his class is so extreme it's like the vampire count right when you have the uh the the count dracula on the hill and it's it's such a literal class like a a vast class difference um I think there is like just how much how that that absolutely high class association with everything Hannibal does that can be tied into you know, that same kind of absolute and utter dehumanization he has for everyone and everything around him because he is the highest class and therefore nothing else, re- nobody else really matters except as a, for however he wants to use. Yeah, so he's he's um, ambivalent to other people. And, you know, in this case, Will is interesting to him. So he's like, okay, I, I like that. And, but the idea here with their relationship is that he he humors Will and then he also kind of attaches himself to will because will is such an exception um will is is a will is presented as a very normal like every man um you know 
land prices in West Virginia, notwithstanding, you know, he's living on the, in this old house by himself, you know, not by like, himself. He has all the doggies. Okay. Well, he has Dog a lot of dogs. Army. He has an army of dogs, but he sleeps in his living room. His house does have an upstairs, <laughs> but look, you have that many dogs and then try to see if you're getting any space on the bed for yourself. He, well, he sweats his sweats all over that bed. So the dogs are probably like, that's yours. That's cool. Um, but he does sleep in the same room with all his dogs, which is, but, um, yeah, so there's a, there's a very big class difference between Hannibal and Will that is very explicit in the show. And it's a big part of the show's aesthetic. Um, and, you know, I feel like the Hannibal's class is part of his villainy, like his, his villainous quality. Yeah. I mean, I do some, I do wonder to some extent how much Will's living situation is just a result of what Will wants. Like, I, yeah. I don't see Will's. Yeah as you know wanting to be a a fancy man i think if the more money will had he would just move further and further from civilization <laughs> like yeah it's to deal with fewer people all, a room for his dalmatian plantation it's the murder <laughs> and the arts and crafts that drives will to hannibal not surface of hannibal but yeah he's always depicted among the highest he's always attending the finest operas going to the highest like the best museums to look at like the finest of fine art you know, whatever the absolute, lug- not just luxury, but, you know, it's old. It's like that old world luxury, yeah. too, which I think adds the so kind of like, you know, nobility-esque disregard for other lives. Yeah. I mean, people, he eats the rude, you know, like that's his that's his metric. Um, he eats the rude and, and he... Uh, he kills people when it's convenient for his plan to, you know, um, nail his murder boyfriend. <laughs> um, yeah, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, this. This show does do a few things specifically that it changes from the book to adjust the way that it handles uh, race and uh, you know people of color, uh, and that it, it makes you know, several characters who were male, female, and it specifically uh, makes Jack, you know, black and, and Lawrence Fishburne, um, which is is an interesting choice because I don't think, um, you know, that's, that's a character that uh, a lot of times I get irritated with shows when they decide to add some sort of diversity and they're like, well, let's make the nerdy kid Asian um, or let's make the guy who flies off the handle black. But like... Um, this is a, I think, you know, a character in authority um, who has, who is interesting and complex um, that they, you know, have, have made black and is central to this story too. He's not just tangential. It's a great, um, it's a great character for Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne does a great job in the show. Yeah. Well, and I feel like it's a lot less about tokenism and more, a lot more about uh, Lawrence Fishburne because yeah. he really right. brings that character to life. But with Jack, with Bev, uh, you know, making Alan Bloom into Alana Bloom, it does, you know, we've talked about a lot of movies that we've said, oh, well, it's not really saying anything about race. And that's been like, you know, they've had all white casts and it's like, and it's a sense of, you know, we've had the sense of, oh, well, I guess it's better for them to say nothing than to say something horrible and bigoted and out of touch. Yeah, uh, but I feel like this show is like, you know, even if Hannibal's not saying much about race, that still like doesn't mean it, it, it's still 
does is no excuse to all of those movies that have been entirely white. You can not talk about race and still have diverse casts. Yeah. And still have Beverly and Jack and uh, I don't know. To me, it's just such a, you know, if a sh- story is not going to explicitly be about race, I, m- I'm so much glad. Oh, I'm great at talking Englishy. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. so much gladder, which is totally a word, that we've moved from that 90s, like, oh, well, then just let everyone be white to no, there's no reason for a cast to all to all be white. Like there should be, uh, you know, just like casual diversity, like that in terms of queer characters, there's not just, you know, that intense, um, you know, there's not just that intense Will and Hannibal relationship, like right off the bat, like, hey, here's Scott Thompson. Here, his character is like an openly gay supporting character there from episode one. Yeah. Um... Yeah, because I think Jack is... Uh, probably the most central character that they could have changed the race of to a positive effect. I think making Hannibal black or, or Asian or anything but, you know, what he is uh, would have, especially as, you know, sort of the main character of that race could have instantly been problematic. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, doing doing the same with Will as a person who is, you know, portrayed as unstable throughout and whom the other characters often sort of poke and needle as being unstable if you you know if you change that character's race it not only changes sort of the the way that that character is depicted but that really affects the way those other characters are depicted when they're just like needling the one you know minority character in their group yeah could change hannibal's race what you can't change about the character is their european background like i feel like that like and, you know, it's like, you know, they're, the character is Lithuanian, but we see, like, there's a lot of other European cultures that are so influential and important to them in their development. I think the most important quality of Hannibal from an ethnic background isn't necessarily race, but just keeping that, uh, those European ties. Yeah, well, it's interesting because the, um, I believe the inspiration for Hannibal's character was it, when Thomas Harris was in a prison in Mexico and the, the, he had met a surgeon there that was also, I think also an inmate. Um, and that's where he sort of, he developed the character from there. Cause he had heard about what the surgeon had done, um, which I don't know the, the details of, but, um, but the fact that he's made Hannibal Lecter, this like um, old, like old country Lithuanian and originally he was he lived through World War II of course now if the timeline it's a bit more difficult but um uh you know this there's a lot of old country Europe um it tied into the character um I guess that leads us to the question of uh is Hannibal feminist I think there's some feminist themes I think that you know it's not really about feminism but it does there's a couple things that it does do like the the change of freddie lounge's character i think is really powerful um both alana and freddie lounge because freddie lounge was a man and um and then her character also like surviving and thriving here in these first three episodes is uh pretty fantastic and she's complex also beverly katz is probably the most complex and interesting of the uh of the forensics team that we meet i feel um, yeah I feel like Freddie is the most interesting and engaging of the women characters in these first few episodes because she's the one who has her own 
clearest and strongest agenda all her own that she's following. Yeah. Um, you know, like we were saying earlier, I think a weakness with Alana, uh, at least in the earlier on in the first couple seasons, is that she really exists in relation to the men in her life, to the men characters in this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, God, I, I love Beverly. Beverly is such a fun, wonderful addition. Yeah. Um, and Abigail as sort of this murder daughter um, and her her agency, you know, it's it's a little bit nebulous in these first few episodes. You know, she's somewhere between um, manipulator and victim. Um, and it's not terribly like uh, progressive in the way that she's depicted there because they're not really landing any way anywhere with her. Um, but the yeah. fact that they decide to make her a character, you know, where she goes is definitely more interesting. From a tension standpoint, that ambiguity of not knowing when she's manipulating and when she's manipulated always keeps the character unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I particularly appreciate Freddie Lowndes' depiction in this because I love it when shows are unafraid to make female characters unrepentant scumbags. Yeah. Um, and like oh and freddie is a delightful scumbag yeah and she has she she does not repent at all freddie you know gets a couple times gets caught and is like i'm such a stinker and like that's the (laughs) that's really the extent of her like fessing up to anything is she like don't you love me um (laughs) don't throw me a cigar i appreciate that and that you know even her um her, her vices and the way that she manipulates people is uh, can be sexual when she needs it to be, but that's not her only like mode of doing this is, you know, she'll, she'll use whatever tools are handy. She'll manipulate people however she has to, to, you know, to get what she wants. And uh, I, I appreciate that because I feel like there are so many shows that would uh, have the, that would immediately have the, uh, desire to you know redeem that character or to be like oh but actually she has a soft side actually she's you know a mom and she really cares about this or that or the other but like freddie is just i, I mean I, I obviously don't know what happens in the future but freddie is uh yeah in, in these first three episodes especially is like as as close to an open villain as there is you know across the first three episodes i mean hannibal is obviously doing stuff behind the scenes but we don't see any of that stuff and you know freddie really especially in the second episode and the early part of the first episode really fucks or the third episode really fucks a lot of their shit up Mm -hmm. like you know she's she's the reason that the mushroom guy gets away and she's the reason that uh you know so so much of the stuff that happens you know with and around abigail happens she's just um just fucking with everything yeah she's unapologetically i don't know just cut this part out she's unapologetically ambitious and uh um but it's you love to hate her but she's it's not because she's ambitious that she's hateable it's because of what she does you know you you still have that kind of respect like damn she really got away with that shit you know, especially in this series with Hannibal, who is like getting away with a lot of shit. Um, but you don't see him work, which I guess you can come back to that class thing. Because, you know, she is working hard. She is, you know, an unrepentant scumbag, but she she is uh, at least upfront about it. Yeah, she actually, interestingly, 
having recently discussed Scream, she is very reminiscent of, of Gail, Courtney Cox's character. In yeah. Scream. yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a good connection. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Dave? Right. You got anything to say about uh, Freddy or any of these other female characters? You know, so for me, I feel as though, uh, I, Ben, I think you kind of mirrored it where they didn't shoehorn race. They didn't shoehorn uh, any kind of... Uh, male, female, it didn't feel to me like any of it was shoehorned or calculated. I feel like they cast the right people and those people elevated the characters uh, not because of anything but their talent and passion for the work, right? So um, I feel like every character was treated with care. Uh, and yeah, some of it is a little dicey and you know, especially with the mental illness bit, obviously. But, um, you know, I, every, I feel like it's, it's literally, someone that is pure evil and insane and someone that is pure good and that's insane and what happens when the two touch other people like abigail and like themselves and how other people affect each other that to me that's what the, the show is really about even though it is super over the top and it just gets more crazy jeremy by the way you're gonna be like where am i <laughs> it's nuts but uh yeah yeah actually i'm really glad uh, that i watched these three episodes because it made me want to watch all of it again it's been a couple of years. I'm I'm not Emily over there. You you watching this every year? How often are you watching this thing? I, well, late, lately I watched it with like three different people because they were like, oh hey, I haven't finished it, and so I'm like, okay, let's go. And then I have it like at three different points in the series with a few different people that I've been watching it. So um, I've just watched the middle of the second season through the third season a couple times in a row. Yeah, I keep so. introducing it to people and then uh, it, you know, we go our separate ways, they continue watching. And I saw yeah. a bunch of like the first season, but I don't, I mean, and I remember two and three, especially three being batshit crazy. Um, and I kind of want to get to that. So yeah. I have to press through this first season. I'd love to do more episodes on, more, more episodes of this on more episodes of Hannibal, but um well, I suppose we could talk about that. You got to isolate the craziest one. But you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or, well, I mean, we could we could go through it, but because um, there, there's a lot in this show that is important to talk about, especially some of the like weird slip-ups that they have where it's like, what the fuck? Why is she there? Like what? <laughs> and, um, you know, that's, that's uh, something I would definitely like to talk about through the progressive lens because there's a lot of fandom out there. There's a lot, a lot of people love the shit out of this show as I do. Um, and, you know, Dave has got Mind Palace. There's like Patreons that are just, just Hannibal porn. Like that's it. Um, not that I know it, from experience, but um, the- uh, I literally, the, it's just like the internet. The internet is just Hannibal porn. Yeah. That's it. Everything else, forget it. Go for yeah. the Hannibal porn. The, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of, there's, and there's a lot of really good stuff out there. There's amazing artists doing fan comics and, um, you know, there's memes, there's, there's canons, like head canons that are sort of followed, you know, there's, there's um, like super hulock level intensity around uh, the, the Hannibal shipping. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, now that we're saying whether we're recommending it, I'm going to say I'm recommending it. Um, you know, keep the, those triggers in mind. But um, I love this show. And I have I have recommended and had my friends sit down next to me and I'm like, we're watching it on at least six or seven different occasions. I'm going to recommend watching Hannibal and then 
cutting the the uh, the strength of it, the the dose of it with uh, pushing daisies, just because that's yeah. my favorite Brian Fuller show. I am going to recommend Prodigal Son for some more fun gothic uh, murdery with a little bit of a different take, a little more New York like theatricality. Jeremy, are you planning on the number of people? Like, do you have a list of people you're going to show this to now? Um, I, <laughs> I don't think so. It seems like everybody that I know is already or has already watched it. Um, <laughs> I, I'm the one that's that's late to this one. Um, but yeah, what you guys are describing sounds very much like my experience with The Good Place, which is like, I sat down and watched the first season right after it had ended and then immediately started shoving it to people. It was just like, have you seen The Good Place? Have you... No, look at this. Like, this this is amazing. Just go go watch this. Here, I'm going to watch it with you. Let's put it on. Um, nice. Yeah, that, that was very much my reaction with that. Um, I am, I, I think I'm probably going to watch more of this. Um, I, like, my immediate reaction to watching it was like, I need to get Alicia hooked on this so we can watch it together. Um, because it's definitely something that I'm going to want to talk about after I watch it. And I think like she generally likes procedural stuff and I generally like things that have big ongoing 20 part intricately woven plots. So I think like, this is the nice sort of combination of those two things um, that that both of us enjoy. Uh, You know, if there was just a part where they fixed up houses, I think we'd be, be all set it'd be the perfect show for oh my god that's what Hugh and Mad should do now they should have a show on HGTV where they just put glasses <laughs> together with their shirts off how many fans would love that oh Come my on. god yeah <laughs> I was smoking all the time create money yeah and yeah. like Hugh Dancy's like I'm gonna barbecue this fish and then Mads is like and I will drink it with white wine and and a cigarette I will I drink a it. cigarette yeah, sounds like a perfect show. There's Jeremy's perfect show. Can they there also you go. Murder property murders? Be- <laughs> right. Property murders. <laughs> they murder. They murder people and then they rent. They renovate the houses and, and yeah, flip there them. There we go. Yeah, there it is. Perfect. Um. Property husbands. She's a crab fisherman. He's a he's a botanical like landscaper. Their budget <laughs> is four million dollars. We're gonna kill him with an ice pick. <laughs> and then eat them how big does the library have to be oh man we got to knock walls out for that library right it needs a mezzanine (laughs) i just i just picture hannibal riding around on the little you know ladder to his mezzanine like bell from beauty and the beast oh yeah (laughs) i want to see that there's some great photos by the way if you if you just really want to see some great images there's like the internet there's the the draw me like one of your clocks which is <laughs> one of my favorite yeah. Hannibal memes ever <laughs> uh that one is you know that's a bit of a spoiler but um <laughs> and now I've just got Hannibal in my head saying and for once it might be grand to have someone understand I want so much more than they've got planned <laughs> I mean yeah <laughs> I this is, there's the idea's got legs <laughs> all right uh, i think ben already uh said recommendations to go along with hannibal emily i know you've got a couple yeah so 
um when i first saw this show it was like it, someone had known me when i was in middle school and 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 like high school and stuff and they were like hey i know how you loved all this crazy shit we put everything that you love together in one show and it's gay and i was like thank you thank you brian fuller thank you um and so a couple of those things you got twin peaks in there um, if you like a lot of weird pauses and subtle acting and a lot of weird shit happening and dreamlike surrealism, um, Twin Peaks begat The X-Files, which has Jillian Anderson and a lot of influence from Silence of the Lambs, which is, you know, I think we all know that that's something you should watch. Um, and the fact that Jillian Anderson, that Agent Scully was based on Clarice Starling and then now Jillian Anderson is now playing Bedelia du Maurier is fucking fantastic. Um and then there's the show Millennium, which was uh, Chris Carter's show starring Lance Henriksen um, about profiling. And it was a lot of like, it had a lot of weird, like serial killer, psych psychedelic serial killer vision in it. That's very, very similar to the, you know, it's definitely on that um, family tree of Hannibal. So that's one, if you can find it, um, it's called Millennium, not the movie about the airplane. Um, and uh uh yeah and also if you like um series that are about a of uh, diabolical bottom who is trying to lure his bisexual buddy into becoming his murder husband and um you know become are a you monster are you talking about me and jeremy again no <laughs> um i don't oh, know jeremy's I I, you you had me at murder bottom that was like yeah. that was it well, <laughs> diabolical bottom um well dave watch on twitter uh <laughs> i will get there but um i will recommend devil man um that's uh got a similar sort of i'm going to turn you into monster and ruin your life but also gay um okay it didn't seem like it was the end, but it, it seems that it oh, was. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, Dave, what do you have to recommend for people to enjoy Hannibal? Uh, well, whew. to enjoy Hannibal, I honestly feel like you should start fuller from the beginning. Uh, I also like uh, like true crime docs. If you really want to get into Hannibal, and I mean, it is like literally leveling up everything and putting a beautiful sheen on it. But I I tend to uh, like watching great documentaries. I I. I would say in preparation for me rewatching Hannibal, I just binged uh, the Night Stalker doc on uh, Netflix, which was uh, amazing. Uh, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, which was oh, yes. phenomenal at HBO Max. And then one that does deal with mental illness is a murder mystery, uh, is the Hotel Cecil on this. I would say oh, uh, you should check it out because it is... I, I mean, I knew about it. I lived in LA and I knew about uh, uh, the disappearance of this girl, but then it breaks it all down and it, uh, raises a lot of great questions. So check that out too. And then watch Hannibal. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, so I, I've been trying to think of, of what to recommend here. Um, and I, I was sure, cause I, I feel like, I mean, obviously the, the obvious answer is, is all the other Brian Fuller stuff and all the other Hannibal media um, of which there is plenty. But something that ticks the boxes of, of things that I like of having these like bits of, of crime and in some cases murder um, mixed into this this larger plot of like somebody's life spiraling slowly out of control. Um, 
I love Better Call Saul. Um, like Breaking Bad, we talked about. It's great. Uh, everybody's everybody who wants to see Breaking Bad has seen it. But I think Better Call Saul gets largely overlooked as being just sort of a Breaking Bad prequel. Um, when it is, it's so much more than that. Like the story of of Jimmy McGill, who you know eventually becomes Saul Goodman in this uh, this series that like pulls in some of the guys who were basically bit players from Breaking Bad and puts them in the lead. Um, You know, Bob Odenkirk, I only knew as as like a comedian going into Breaking Bad. I'd never seen him do anything dramatic. And like, I was really impressed with him in that. And he is so amazing in in Better Call Saul. And uh, Jonathan Banks, who is like a lifelong character actor, who you see all over the place and everything looking like an old cranky man um, does just an amazing job in this show. Um, I, I can't, I can't recommend this show enough. Um, you know, Rhea Seahorn who, who plays Kim Wexler is, is also amazing in there. And I'm uh, super biased towards because uh, she read a, read a part in the uh, thrilling adventure hour story that I wrote. So I'm always going to like be super in uh, Rhea Seahorn's corner on everything. Um, but yeah, like the first several seasons of, of Better Call Saul are on Netflix right now. And uh, you could get very lost in those very quickly. And it's a great show. So definitely worth checking out. Significantly less murder than, uh, and, and much less food porn than Hannibal. Uh, almost all the food is, is fairly gross in Better Call Saul. Because <laughs> it is but gay. It is definitely not. It is definitely Alas. not as gay. Um, we didn't talk about LGBT representation. We never we, stopped talking, we've been about, talking LGBT about it representation. the whole time. Okay. <laughs> the whole time. The whole time. Okay. So I, like, I just I, like, there's there's not much point in I was like, I don't think there's much point in going back to that well. We've been at, drinking from that well the whole time. Okay, okay. Well, I do want to say that Bev could also be ace. Sure. That's all. Yeah. We don't, we I don't wanna... see her. I really have any love interest. I, I well, I mean, yeah, I don't I can I don't think we see her. I don't think we get much in the way of the romantic lives of our plucky forensic team. Yeah. Um, that is all. <laughs> all right. Uh, now with all that out of the way, uh, Dave, can you let people know where they can find you online? Super lazy. It's just at Dave DeWanch everywhere on the internet. You can, if, if you can spell my last name, D-W-O-N-C-H, you got me. And then, uh, you know, track down Mind Palace. It's, uh, it's at mindpalacecomic.com. Uh, like I said, it is an epic joyride of Brian Fullery uh, awesomeness. <laughs> and uh, Emily, where can people find you online? Um, I'm Megamoth pretty much everywhere. Megamoth.net is .com. Also Megamoth on Twitter, Tumblr, Patreon, patreon.com slash mega moth um and then on uh on instagram i'm mega underscore moth and uh check out bookshop.org or comicsology for prints lists for the stuff that i have done with jeremy i have other artwork on my other sites but it's it's not as it's not as cool as um and we're working on volume what was that i said what is as cool as yeah i know right uh we're working on three of us together so yeah, that's true. Dave, uh, fun fact, Dave was the one who connected me with Jeremy. So, you know, original team, go team. Go team. And go Ben is team. part of it. Yay, yeah. team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, check that out. Um, and uh, 
Uh, yeah, volume 10. I'm working on volume 10 and keep an eye out for that for previews of that. Awesome. And uh, Ben, can you let people know where they can find your work? Yeah, you can find me uh, at Twitter at, at BenTheCon. Uh, you can find my website at BenConComics.com. Uh, links to you know, all the physical prints and digital comics on Comixology. And a pre-order uh, Renegade Rule coming out this May. And Immortals Phoenix Rising from Great Beginnings coming out this September. Oh, I forgot to say it. Uh, buy Jenny Zero from Dark Horse. That's yes. coming out like next month. So yeah. 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 Now I, I did actually, I haven't told you this Ben, but I did actually read Renegade Rule just uh, yesterday. And uh, man, I had already read the first issue and I loved that, but the whole, the whole book together is awesome. And I definitely recommend people go, go pre-order that and pick it up. It is a um, ball. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. That yeah. makes me, that makes me a big old ball of happiness. Aww. yeah beginning to end it's just a uh, super fun read and super uh super queer almost almost as queer as hannibal yeah. <laughs> probably um, less toxic toxically queer oh yes absolutely <laughs> much much more disaster queer uh, much less toxically yeah. queer yeah um and as for me you can find me on twitter and instagram at jrome58 it's j-r-o-m-e-5-8 uh, I am at jeremywhitley.com. Uh, you can pro- <laughs> you could pre-order uh, the second book of School for Extraterrestrial Girls, which is coming out this summer. The first book is already on shelves and available, as well as the first nine books of Princeless and the first nine books of Raven the Pirate Princess, all of which are out right now, uh, working on book 10 of both of those as we speak. Uh, there's a lot more stuff coming, but none of it's been announced yet. Um, and you know uh just just keep your ears out on that uh as for the podcast progressively horrified is on patreon at progress uh, patreon.com slash progressively horrified if you like what we're doing please go give us money so we can keep doing it maybe even do it better um we are on twitter at prog horror pod as in progressive horror podcast our website is progressively horrified.transistor.fm And please, wherever you are listening to this right now, go subscribe, go rate it, go review it. Give us all your stars. We need stars. (laughs) Uh, And I did want to take this opportunity to thank Dave again for coming out and joining us tonight. Thank you so much for coming, Dave. It has been a joy, my friend. Thank you. And Dave, I miss you, buddy. I know. I'm giving you a hug. You know we moved, right? We moved to Colorado. So we're we're even further away. But, uh, But very soon we'll hug. Technically, okay. slightly closer to me that way. That's right. That was a blast. I'm glad we got to finally do Hannibal. Yeah, awesome. I got. I'll see y'all on the flip side. Indeed. Thank you so much, Ben and Emily, for coming yeah. out and uh, and doing right, thank something you, yet again. For, thank you, Dave, for coming on. Yeah, thanks. Ben, thanks for having me. Good to meet you. Yeah. Man. Good to meet you. All right, and thank you for all of you for joining us. We will see you next week. Progressively Horrified is created and produced by Jeremy Whitley. This episode featured Jeremy Whitley, Ben Kahn, Emily Martin, and Dave Dwanch. 
All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and not intended to represent the intent or opinions of the filmmakers, nor do they represent any of the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06 and was provided royalty-free from Pixabay. Support us on Patreon or contact us at Twitter at ProgHorrorPod or by email at ProgressivelyHorrified at gmail.com.